You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Homeland Security warns states to be on their guard against election hacking. Newsweek speculates that a brief DDoS attack it sustained was election-related. Mirai source code used in large Krebs on security DDoS published in a hacker forum. Dress code malware found in 3,000 trojanized apps. And the SEC may investigate the Yahoo breach. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, October 3rd, 2016. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is still warning the states of the likelihood that hackers will take an interest in next month's elections. Speculation in the media tends to the view that these hackers are acting on behalf of the Russian government. Newsweek sustained a distributed denial-of-service attack that took its site down for a few hours Thursday. The reporter who wrote an article unfavorable to U.S. presidential candidate Trump thinks it was done to silence him and said there were a lot of Russian IP addresses involved in the attack. Odds are there would be a lot of Russian IP addresses in a lot of DDoS attacks. But in any event, opposing presidential candidate Clinton is far from flavor of the month in the Russian Twitterverse, so perhaps there's something to the speculation. Investigation into the more serious DDoS attack of the week before last, the one that took down Krebs on security, may be getting closer to the culprits. Someone using the handle AnnaChan or AnnaSempai has dumped the IoT bot herding source code into the criminal market hack forums, Krebs reports. The code is named Mirai. Such dumps are often a sign that a cyber criminal is beginning to feel some heat, or is at least moved to some caution. As Krebs puts it, quote, publishing the code online for all to see and download ensures that the code's original authors aren't the only ones found possessing it if and when the authorities come knocking with search warrants. More serpents have made their way into Google's Play Store garden. On Friday, Trend Micro found about 3,000 trojanized apps carrying the dress code malware in the wild. Some 400 had made their way into the Play Store. Some, like a purported Minecraft version of Grand Theft Auto, are unlikely to draw enterprise users. But dress code hides not only in games, but according to Trend Micro, in user interface themes and phone optimization boosters. The principal threat dress code poses to enterprises is the ability to gain access through an infected phone and then move laterally to more sensitive precincts of a network. Researchers at Princeton University, Karlstad University, and KTH Royal Institute of Technology demonstrate two proof-of-concept correlation attacks. They're calling them Defector, that could in principle de-anonymize Tor users. Defector is unlikely to appear in the wild, the researchers say. First, the attacks require considerable engineering resources, and second, Tor is expected to upgrade soon to foreclose the possibility of this sort of de-anonymization. 
Ransomware, of course, remains with us, as Kaspersky researchers identify the growing popularity of remote desktop protocol exploits against targets in Brazil. Stolen or weak credentials place users at risk. The Yahoo breach may become the subject of a U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission investigation, at least if some senators have their way. Breach disclosure rules the SEC promulgated in 2011 have been regarded by many as vague. There's some sentiment in the Senate that Yahoo may afford the SEC the test case it needs to firm those rules up. The SEC has yet to bring an enforcement action for failure to disclose a breach. In this, their colleagues in the Federal Trade Commission are clearly the hot pencil. The FTC has brought 60 successful data security actions since 2001. But there's some government ambivalence showing. Commerce Secretary Pritzker last week cautioned against blaming the victim in hacking cases. How the Yahoo breach will affect Verizon's planned acquisition of Yahoo's core assets remains to be seen. There's a dust-up between two notorious purveyors of stolen data. Peace, best known for the MySpace hack and for claiming to have millions of Yahoo credentials available to sell, although not, investigators stress, the half-billion stolen in the theft that's roiling Yahoo, Verizon, their customers and their shareholders, is at war with Worm, who trades mainly in data taken from news agencies. Peace defaced Worm's site on the grounds that Worm is a bad guy who's done Peace some unspecified wrong and who's messed with the Hell Forum, a dark web market with a contentious, turbulent history. So, in the case of Peace versus Worm, it's in the interest of the civilized world that both sides should lose. The shadow brokers resurfaced Saturday, miffed that no one is taking their auction of Equation Group tools seriously. Here's a sample of what they have to say. Quote, Hello, world. The Shadow Brokers is sending message number two weeks, but media no make big story. The Shadow Brokers is calling this message message number three. The Shadow Brokers is realizing people's is not thinking auction is being real. End quote. We'll stop at this point because the diction swiftly becomes lurid and demotic in ways unsuitable for a family show, but you get the syntactic and semantic drift. Observers continue to draw attention to the shadow broker's implausibly broken English. Motherboard calls it Borat-like, and we've been reminded of F-Troop's Hakawi. But with Saturday's emission, it hit us. The shadow brokers are the male crocodiles from Steve Pastis's comic strip Pearls Before Swine. Think about it if you're not too hip to read the Sunday funnies in their Dead Tree edition. Anyway, we think the answer to the question posed by message number three, it comes after message number two for make benefit those of us who might be slow on the uptake, would be, no, the people's is not thinking auction is being real. The auction, if you're keeping score at home, is still stuck at 1.76 Bitcoin, or roughly $1,082, a bit south of the $1 million the shadow brokers is being asking the people's to be opening the bidding on. Sorry. We hate it when we get infected with broken diction. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI... The best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. 
Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Jonathan Katz joins me. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Uh, Jonathan saw an article recently in SC Magazine, and they were talking about ransomware criminals were increasing the use of asymmetric encryption. Uh, can you help us understand uh, what's the difference between symmetric and asymmetric encryption? Sure. Uh, so symmetric encryption is kind of what has been used historically for cryptography. And in such an encryption scheme, you have a single key that's used by both the sender and receiver. So the sender will use the key to encrypt a plain text and get a ciphertext. And the receiver will use that same key to decrypt the ciphertext and recover the plain text. And in contrast, uh, asymmetric encryption is what was invented in the 1970s and has become a lot more prevalent today, uh, where you have different keys used for both encryption and decryption. So you have a public key, which is used by the sender to encrypt, and then a private key, which is used by the receiver to decrypt. And what's fundamentally different about public key encryption and what makes it so useful is that you can have many different senders all communicating with this receiver uh, because the public key, as the name suggests, can be public. So anybody can encrypt a message using this, this publicly available public key, but only the receiver who has the corresponding private key will be able to decrypt. And so how is combining these two techniques uh, an attractive thing for ransomware criminals? Well, uh, first of all, ransomware criminals are using public key encryption because it exactly uh, it exploits this asymmetry. So what they'll do is they'll uh, put the malware on your computer and then encrypt your files using the public encryption key in such a way that only the writer of the, of the ransomware will have the corresponding private key and be able to decrypt. And then, of course, they ask you for money uh, in order to be able to decrypt. Now, what's interesting is that you can combine uh, public key uh, asymmetric techniques and symmetric key encryption to kind of get the best of both worlds and to get the functionality of asymmetric encryption with the efficiency of symmetric key encryption. And what you do is simply use uh, the asymmetric encryption to encrypt a short key and then use that key uh, for in a symmetric key encryption scheme to encrypt the long data, the files or what have you. So this is really giving the, uh, the ransomware writers, unfortunately, the best of both because they're able to very efficiently encrypt your files and then force you to pay them in order to recover them. All right. Clever bad guys. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. 
Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.